All right, here we are back again for another episode of Just Another Bozo on the Bus. I'm your host, Paul Randack, here for another almost afternoon of fun and boziness. Uh, today, this week, joined by Jake Schottenstein. Hello. How are you, Jake? I'm good, you know. Just, a, you know, I've just been working and... Uh, it's new to me having a, a career as somebody that, like, you think about all the priorities that you're supposed to have in life, um, but you don't realize them until, like, the old priorities were so different. They were, uh, they were like, I just, I gotta have enough money to have fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. But I don't know how I'm going to get that because I don't have a job. <laughs> and, now, right. and now, like, I get a paycheck and I'm like, oh, shit, that's how people get these. I thought you steal them. I oh. thought you steal this stuff. Yeah, I, I, yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop you here for a minute. We're going to, we're going to, we know quickly we're going to learn a lot about you. Yeah. Um, and uh, you generally are one of um, what I consider one of the funniest people I know. Um, and for better, for worse, (laughs) (laughs) not worse for me. Okay. Um, but I, I, what I want to start off with today is like we always do is you get a little bit of your story, um, and, uh, tell us, you know, kind of where you grew up and what your, what it was like for, for, you know, your family and, and how your bozo story or your personal bozo-ness has come to be what it is, which is very, very special. Mm-hmm. So, g- give us a little, little, little bit about your story. Huh. I, I guess I'll start uh, with my parents. Then, um, my mom, she uh, she grew up in Texas, and you know she was uh, kind of one of those. She had like her lineage is the Dust Bowl. You know, in Texas, like it's, you know, farming and, uh, you know, poverty and, you know. I didn't know that about you, Mom. Yeah, 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 very Grapes of Wrath. That's what her upbringing was. And she was, uh, you know, a devout Christian growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and both of her, one of her brothers died, my Uncle Greg. He was killed in a drug deal when he was uh, just got, just got done with uh, you know military service. How old was she at the time? I think she, I asked her about it. She said she was around twenty. Um, I think about that sometimes. I still think about that. I put myself in my mom's shoes, and I'm like, wow. What would it be like to? This is a yeah. drug deal gone bad kind of thing. Yeah, okay. and I'm so close uh, with my brother that I can't imagine it. So mm-hmm. it always gives me a, a, a somewhat of it, it gives me a great amount of respect that my mom is who she is today after having dealt with that but yeah she had uh she had three uh she had three siblings a, a sister and two brothers and uh her other brother's dead now too uh, uncle bob he died in his sleep because he was an enlarged heart i guess um anyhow do you know uh, how he got that enlarged heart by chance 
drugs. Drugs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> coming from personal experience yeah. on, my, on my side of the yeah. the aisle here, that uh, yeah, I, I've dealt with that at a certain point in my life as well. So. That's right. Yep. And uh, yeah, so she she grew up in Texas until and uh, she met my dad, uh, my biological father, bio dad. Uh, yeah, and. Uh, who I'm not very close with, but I'll tell you about it later. Um, my biological father grew up in uh, Ohio. Like, uh, shit, I don't really remember in Ohio. <laughs> don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it, one from Texas, one from Ohio. Yeah, and they yeah. met, and they had the greatest gift given to them ever. Oh, tell us about that gift. It wasn't my brother's act. <laughs> it was me. It was you. Yeah. Uh, you, you the, the gift of Jake. Yeah. But only my mom wanted it, the gift. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, of course... You, you I, know this. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah. I mean, through, throughout my life, I realized that. Yeah. <laughs> You mean your dad never said to you, oh, by the way, you know, just, yeah. just want you to know I never really wanted a yeah. son or something no, like that. No, he never said. It's it's the actions thing. You know how it is. You know, I don't hold uh, blame or grudge mm-hmm. anymore. It's just, you know, he's, uh, he's a product of his experiences. He was molded by experiences. And, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I just... Uh, I. I deserve better than him. It's that sort of thing. Okay. But, uh, yeah, they got a divorce uh, due to my dad's infidelity when I... I don't remember how young I was. Uh, but um, then we had, like, visitation with uh, with him, which I never wanted to go to. Were you told when you were young what, what the reason was for the divorce? Not until I was in therapy for depression later when I was, like, 13. Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, I actually, um, the reason I got so depressed was uh, my biological father, Andrew, he went to uh, a PTA meeting after we had a therapy session where my therapist told me to tell dad that I, uh, him that I'd been, uh, I smoked pot before and I'd like done mushrooms. Mm-hmm. I told him and he went to the PTA and told all the parents uh that they should get their kids tested and uh you know sh- sh- you know encouraging them not to he nar- he your, yeah. your dad knocked on you to the pta yeah parents. and he and he tried yeah. to he told parents that they should stay away from me and if they are doing any and they should get them tested so then i was kind of an outcast so, like yeah so this is where the the messaging began is that yeah saying? yeah <laughs> and that's when i really started getting bullied to like a severe extent at school yeah to a severe extent and i just stopped going to school because i was like you know i wasn't really suicidal but i wanted attention so i said like hey man I've been listening to a lot of Joy Division, and I'm really sad. <laughs> um, so I just like sit. In What's the, in your record collection? Emo. Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Tokyo Police Club. And I'd sit in my room like it was. I had blackout blinds, and I'd sit in my room like when other people were at school, and I would play video games and be sad all the time. So they sent me away to. Uh, 
a wilderness therapy thing. How old were you at this time? Uh, that time, I turned 14 while I was there. And, uh, so you no, went, you, no, I was 14 before then, and then I went, because I got there in November. Hmm. Um, and it was winter in Bozeman, Montana. The place was called Three Rivers. And uh, I was there for three and a half months. And uh, You were at a wilderness program for troubled teens uh-huh. in the winter in Bozeman, Montana. Oh, dude, it sucked. <laughs> I got there, and the first night that I, like, okay, so, like, they prep you for, like, a week. Like, this is what you're going to be experiencing. Mm-hmm. They try to teach you stuff before they send you out. And then, like, the first day that I finally, they brought me to meet, meet up with the other kids as a new intake, it snowed that night. And then it never stopped. <laughs> it didn't stop. <laughs> it got progressively worse. Oh, my gosh. And I was very confused by it. Yeah. And uh, it was uh, it was a really good experience overall, though, in terms of. Uh, but you um, went into it with some trepidation and maybe a slight, yeah. bit, a slight amount of fear. Yeah, a lot of fear. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, sorry. Under, yeah. Understatement. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. And uh, I went through that whole experience and it sucked and I hated it the whole time. But, like, now that I'm older, I'm glad I did that. So I know that I should say no if anybody offers to, like, hey, you want to go out and, like, go camping? <laughs> I know that now. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you learned to say, just say no to camping? Is that yeah, what you're I'm saying? Yeah, I'm not falling for it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I stayed there for three and a half months, and I was like, ah, oh, I finally get to go home, like... I, I, it was one of those things like when you go camping, it makes you for three and a half months you appreciate mm-hmm. like the, the normal things in life, like taking a bath or the, that sort of thing. So I was or just, a furnace, right? Y- yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which you know you know a lot about now. Yeah. We'll get to that later. But yeah, and right. I was so happy to leave, and uh, I was like, just, I'm I'm ready to go home. Uh-huh. And uh, and then like the week before I left there. I got a letter, and uh, it was them explaining that after this, I'm going to uh, uh, a therapeutic boarding school for troubled teens. And I was like, oh, no. No. This, this was, was this all your dad's doing? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And wh- where was mom on all this? Was she just fo- she, following along? She or? was following along. The only person that objected to it was... Uh, my dad Mitchell, who's my stepdad, but he's he's my dad. Yeah. Um, and the whole time he was, you know, he was pretty much against the the boarding school. And uh, as an adult, I look back at that and I can see how in fear you would be like, "All right, whatever I got to do for my kid." But sure. Uh, you think his intention was. He didn't have the tools to be able to deal yeah. with this, so he 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 thought I'll have someone else take the responsibility of this because I don't. Have yeah, the, the I can see it. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, I don't really care because <laughs> I I look back at it and uh, 
I would not send my kid to something like that. You, so you learned not I don't to go think camping, so. yeah, and yeah. not to send a kid to off to boarding school for trouble yeah. teens. I, okay. I think the separation at that young age, because uh, I was the youngest person there, and oh. uh, yeah, if anything, uh, what, uh, w- that was probably overkill. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, of course, all roads lead to here, and I'm very happy with where I'm at right now. Sure. But I, I, that that was that's a traumatic thing. You what know, did your, what did your brother think of any of this? Were you at all talking to him at this point, or Zach did you have was any just like you know in college at the time? Oh, okay. yeah. Okay, he was busy figuring out how not to call a cab to get <laughs> home from the bar. <laughs> I see. He was like, and he was probably dating yeah. extensively. I'm gonna yeah. guess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he visited me one time while I was out there and he was like, what the fuck is going on? What are you doing here? At the, at, at Montana or at the boarding school? The boarding school. Okay. Okay. Where uh, was the boarding school? It was in Massachusetts. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, I stayed there for, I think, nine months and hated every second of it. I just kept fighting it until they let me go home. Because they wanted me to be there for the average stay was eighteen to twenty six months. Wow! Yeah, and it was a, it was, a, you know, I got bullied there too. It was, a, it was another one of the things. I was the youngest person there. Fascinating. So, yeah, it was very. It, it was such a strange experience where I just felt lost and just <laughs> like scared and alone and full of like anger all the time mm-hmm. and it, I, I couldn't break down that wall to to take a look at myself because i was just i was so just blinded by all these feelings well and i can, I can imagine yeah. too this idea of coming out of this wilderness experience which you know i mean yes jokingly taught you you know not to go <laughs> camping but um but also uh, did you have any good experiences out there in in nature or yeah you- yeah but I think it's why I don't venture out into nature now. Hmm. I, realistically, like all you know, silliness aside, yeah, I think it is because I got so much of it, and it's it's associated with a time where I was very scared and alone and sure. freaked out, you know. So, but uh, and, and the reactions to your and this is all in reaction to um, your dad's not, not understanding. How to deal with, um, you know, your substance issues, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, just throwing whatever he could come up with, you know, uh, based upon he obviously talked to somebody or someone gave him some recommendations. Yeah. But did anyone talk to you? I'm curious before you started any doing any of this. Uh, you, were you in Were you in any therapy or counseling before you ended up going off to the wilderness program or the boarding school? Um, no, they just kind of surprised me with it, and they asked me about how I felt, and I explained how I felt to them, which was, I don't want to do this, I don't want to do this. Mm -hmm. And, of course, I had to go anywhere, and that's, that's okay, I, I, I understand it all. It all makes sense to me. Okay. Um, however, still today, um, I feel that, that, that that power that was taken away from me like mm-hmm. i had no power i i think it's followed me till today where i still i still have a fear of being emasculated 
Like I, I still have like a you know like a, a a fast twitch fiber for. Do not try and put me in my place. Do not try and force me to do something. Sure. sure. Because then I'll explode. Yeah. Because I got, you know, I I I, I had my I I I I wasn't allowed to have control over my life until only maybe three years ago. So uh, um, almost a knee-jerk type reaction is what yeah, you're talking. Yeah, and I still yeah. I still feel very it reactive. today. I still feel it. Huh. Very reactive uh, towards towards uh, towards power struggles. Mm-hmm. You know where it's uh, you know I, it's almost like I'm sometimes I feel like I'm biting down on a mouthpiece whenever uh-huh. somebody tries to tell me you need to do this. You know I can do it, but it's 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 against nature now. Yeah, bite down on this mouth. It's only electric shock therapy. You'll be fine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. My actual, my biological grandma, who's uh, who do, who did dog grooming like my brother does now, she went through uh, electroconvulsive therapy. Or ECT, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She did that uh, multiple times. Well, I didn't know that, that dog grooming was in the family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good to know. Yes, it's a dynasty. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I see Zach, I'll yeah. Uh, 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 yeah. acknowledge this. Um, okay, so you you come you come out of this school. By the way, I'm assume, I don't want to make an assumption, but I'm going to guess you weren't do, doing dope or you know mushrooms or, or whatever. I, I, you, I had only like smoked pot one time. I think I might have just been looking for a reaction. I, I wait, 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 just sorry, hold on, just a second, you smoked pot one time? Maybe a couple times and didn't even, like, feel anything. So you hadn't, you hadn't even gotten to the point where the brain was starting to absorb the THC, is what you're saying? Yeah. Okay, <clears throat> and you did mushrooms, maybe, uh, what? No, I hadn't. So you just told? Yeah, I wanted, I wanted okay. to see what would happen. Oh. Well, there you go. Yeah. So you may, you literally told this story of fabrication. Yeah. And you end up going into a wilderness program. I was like, oh, no, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> if you ever want to feel like regret, just do that. Okay, so make up a story so yeah. someone will, will, in a way, institutionalize you into a program, right? Yeah, and almost like... Uh, I, I told a lie. And, and if you're depressed, if you feel yeah. depressed, I was we'll, depressed, we'll separate you from your family. Yeah, I was yeah, depressed right, right, before right. that, and I was just looking for like some. I just wanted to see what it would happen, and uh, it almost, in a way, I almost prophesized what ended up happening, which was I did once I left boarding school, which I was eventually uh, my grandparents pulled the funding for it because. Uh, you know, my uh, my dad and my mom started fighting it. You know, my dad Mitchell and my mom Wendy started fighting mm-hmm. it, and uh, because they wanted you, they didn't want you away. Yeah, they yeah. didn't. They started advocating. I think for they you. they started to see what life was like at that program, and they realized I was not ready for it. Right, right, and it wasn't beneficial. And uh, when I came home, then the damage had been done. Uh, and not it, no blame on anybody else. Just I'd been molded. So you know, I learned about drugs from other kids while I was there because most of the kids were there for drugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
You yeah, know, when I, you're, what, so what, is, what you're saying is you got an education. Yeah, it's like when you go to prison. It's <laughs> yeah, the same right. thing. You learn all about being a better yeah. criminal. You yeah. learned about you know being a, a better drug user. That's right. Okay. And I came back, and you know, after all of that, I was looking for a way to 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 because I felt so different. Mm-hmm. I was looking for a way to feel normal at first and i was like kids do drugs they like drugs and shit right let's do them together let's bond and uh i played football for a while and uh so where were you living at this point where i was you? living in park city utah where my parents had moved okay and i was again in another place mm-hmm. and uh you know i i i i didn't make any friends and i was just sitting around at home playing video games when my mom was like we're not doing this again. You got to go join a sport, and I was like, "All right, I'll play football." You got to pick it, yeah. And you pick football, yeah. And okay. after like one month, I was like, "I don't want to do this shit." And Mom was like, "You're doing it," <laughs> and I did it. And for how uh, long? This is a year. Before. This is high school. Yeah, you played but, high school football. Yeah, this is my sophomore year, and I played JV, and. uh before the jump to varsity, like my junior year, I I started hanging out with uh, a, a lot of the kids did drugs on the football team, and I, I was, no, yeah, really, yeah, no, no, I can't believe that. No, it's crazy. No, yeah. They actually do. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, they I mean, they uh, I, I'm being they like to no, I know, but they like to uh, they like to drink. And uh, and they like to do drugs, which was awesome. Yeah, for me because I was like, I don't have a personality. Let's you know we'll bond over this, yeah. and uh, and that just started this downhill spiral into because I hurt my back playing football. Uh, this is here's the here's the injuries here's the injury story. Yeah, how the, how this all begins. You hear this in. In contact sports, especially, I mean, yeah. all sports it, it happens in, but in the big ones, mm-hmm. especially football, yeah, this is a, a common denominator. And it was uh, I, I herniated a disc in my back, uh, and I, I was prescribed Vicodin for the pain, uh-huh. and uh, you know that progressed. And, uh, you know, continued to progress until I my parents moved to Philly because I was struggling. And, and back to the power thing, I wanted to get emancipated and actually go live on my own because it, it was such a... How old are you at this point? Only 16. Okay, 16. So, so I'm, fighting, I'm fighting to take back some sort of... Uh, to, to finally feel what it's like to have some control over right. something. You I truly wanted to differentiate from from family at this point. Yeah. At least um, the parental authority. Yeah. Piece, right. That was big for me. And that didn't go through. So we moved to Philadelphia, and then my painkiller problem became much, much worse. And, and when, any why would you when you look back now why do you think that was what 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 because happened then at least before i had a circle of friends and uh so your social connection was gone then it was gone and then it was it then it was not off on the couch downstairs and you know do painkillers mm-hmm. all day and uh 
I convinced my mom to uh, let me be homeschooled for mm-hmm. that last year. Um, I Congratu- I guess I'll say congratulations, but thanks, dude. It was one. Of, I still look back on it fondly. <laughs> <laughs> this is senior year. Yeah. You know? No, no, no. It was junior, oh, year. junior year. No, it was senior year because my because uh, I ended up finishing. Uh, my senior, I ended up graduating while I was in a rehabilitation facility. Okay, all right, all right, good, good, good. Um, all right. But yeah, that was my senior year, and uh, I think that was one of my crowning achievements because I would get up and I would just hang out all day, and like one, once or twice a week, like an instructor would come and work with me, and uh, I've never been more miserable. <laughs> And you were, and your doctor were you were you just taking what the doctor prescribed? Or no, were you, not at this point. Okay. At this point, okay, I'm, so you I'm were, buying drugs illicitly. Okay, yeah. And were you working, um, or were you? Uh, no, I didn't have a job. Okay, so how are you paying for your drugs? Stealing. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. My dad used to get like he would bring home like his he would set his wallet on the counter and it would have like. I swear to God, he would just have a thousand bucks in his wallet. So I'd just take a hundred, like, every once in a while. You know, like, once a week or once, uh, if he was there in town, I would just take a hundred every now and then. Uh And, uh, you know, and that's that's how I funded it. And that's why I had so many uh, detoxes, because I would binge. I would binge and then be miserable once the binge was over, and then. But you, when you say detox, detox at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you were you weren't. It was it was very light. It, it was just it was body aches and it was uh, you know sickness, but mm-hmm. it wasn't it wasn't extreme. I never had an extreme detox. It was just uh, you know because I was so binge like that. But the the times when I didn't have any medication, I was just miserable. Hmm. Um, and then I, f- uh, I finally, my pop got me, uh, you know, into a place, uh, where I went to rehab, but I really just got sober cause of, cause of my, uh, I felt this debt, this debt to my parents. I was like, oh, I caused so much problems for them. Mm-hmm. I've made them miserable, and I feel terrible about it. So was this, was this guilt or shame at that point? Both. It was both. Yeah. So you I, had, felt, you had, I felt bad, but I also felt at, uh, like I was a bad person. So, you know, I I changed that, and uh, and and then I went to Miami and went to school. I thought I was going to be a cop. And uh, I did two years. How long were you in rehab for? I need to go back to the second. Oh, okay. I was there for I was there for three months, inpatient, and then I went to a halfway house for like a year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But you're out of high school at this point, or you finished high school while you were in treatment. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then you went to a halfway house or sober living or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. For a year. Okay. And were you staying sober? Um, yeah, I was, um, but just off sheer will, you know. And then I got done with that, 
and moved back to Miami with my parents. And I went to school for two years at uh, Miami-Dade College in mm-hmm. criminal justice. And uh, and then I came back here and I started getting high again. Like My parents moved back out here and I was lonely again and I started to get high. So this is Wendy and Mitch. Mm-hmm. You were fo- kind of following them around. Yeah. So Park City, Philadelphia, uh, Miami... And then back to... Yeah, I met my old friend Angelo while I was working at TJ Maxx. And, you know, I was sober at the time, but... Um, but you call it sober, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was just... It was a, you, you were white-knuckling it. So I was miserable. Yeah. You were miserable, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I had discounts at TJ Maxx. <laughs> so Congratulations. I saw Angelo... Uh, and, uh, so we started hanging out again and, uh, like, like the first time I saw him though, he was like, yo, you ever try acid? I was like, no. So he got, my parents were out of town. So we went back to my, my parents' house and we watched movies on acid and then it just all reset. I was back, and it was worse this time. I started doing fascinating, especially yeah. acid, which mm-hmm. is not usually a substance that that triggers people to go back into using other. No, drugs no, again. no. But it was more. It was. It was. It was a thing of. Well, this was such an interesting experience. I'm bored all the time. I miss interesting experiences. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have any. Mm-hmm. I had nothing. My life was truly boring. Did you have any other, had anyone slapped any other labels on you at this point, Jake, or, you know, like depression or anxiety or ADD or, did you get any of that if stuff? If anything, I put them on myself. You put them on yourself. Yeah, I used them as an excuse. Okay. I was like, hey, I'm anxious and I'm, you know, I, 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 I used GAD, you know, and uh, generalized anxiety exactly. disorder yeah. to justify why you know my parents would be like hey why don't you go out and get some friends and it, to me that was like gibberish i'd be like you don't have any fucking friends what do you know you know like <laughs> i don't i don't i don't that's Wait, easier you're said about than your parents <laughs> no <laughs> okay. that's what i thought <laughs> but um it, it, like it seemed crazy to me that people would just be like cuz today i'll just be like hey man what's up and we'll, i'll just chit chat with anybody uh-huh. i don't care yeah. but in that time, I was so self-conscious that I that that seemed crazy to me to just open up to people and to reach out and put, be vulnerable, put yourself out there, and you know that seemed crazy to me. So I didn't have any social contact. I just had my dog. Well, thank God you had a dog. Yeah, yeah. So animals are huge. Animals are important. Yeah. I know you know that now. Yeah. I mean, maybe you knew it then too. Mm-hmm. Um, but animals can can be almost a lifeline. They can, yeah, yeah. Important. I talk to my animals when nobody's around. Yeah. I don't, I don't have like full conversations, but I'll be like, "Hey, Rip, what are we doing today, man? That's a great idea. We should sit around and uh, and hang out, <laughs> play video. <laughs> we should kick it. You should watch. Me You're totally right, games, Ripper. Right. That's how I talk to my cats. Okay, yeah. <laughs> And, I don't, uh, you know what, Jake? I don't think you're alone. Yeah, <laughs> talking to your animals. No, not at all. I don't think I am. No. If you want to see the craziest person in the world, 
leave me alone in my apartment for like a day because it's only been like a day my brother's been gone and i'm already losing it like i said i i'm already like i'm already i get very odd like i i put on like emotional music and i listen to it and i'll be like yeah man that's just lovely oh my god yeah i sit nude on the couch and you know that's that's really when (laughs) shit goes i i want a montage of everybody when they're alone in their apartment Uh because i think that's when you're your most honest self right right that's when it's really you know we're really going down you're going down yeah which by the way was you know i remember when you got burned recently yeah um and and uh and thanks for the picture um you're welcome yeah (laughs) But, yeah, that kind of got you stuck in your apartment for a while. It did, but I I got distracted. I started dating a girl who was an exotic dancer uh-huh. uh, at a place called Pinky's. Uh, my friend Eric, uh, who you know, uh-huh. he uh, his girlfriend started dancing there. So I went to support after watching, like, the UFC fight card. You know, he comes and watches it with me, uh-huh. so it was my... Trent and uh, you know some other buddies of mine. We sit down and we watch it. And uh, afterwards, I went and uh, this girl kept talking to me. And uh, I went to Denny's afterwards with a group it, of people from there. Yeah, yeah. And she showed up and uh, we chit chatted. And then like uh, we exchanged numbers. And then she called me like as i was driving back because it was storming and she was like hey my car is not good can you come like drive me home and i was like yeah sure i just got oh i hadn't been burnt at that point so i was just interested because you know and then uh because she's uh, uh, interested in you of course right yeah Yeah. gosh yeah and uh we started dating after that for like three months and uh my friend ian said something very funny about her he said uh and she's a great human being we just we just didn't click Uh um but uh ian met her one time and he was like he, he he got real serious and he dropped the bass in his voice and he was just like your girl's got a weird look in her eye (laughs) <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? And he was just like, just think about it. But I think I might have shattered the glass for you. And I saw, like, a, I started noticing more about her, and that's when I started being like, I don't think we're a good fit. I think she... Uh, now, did, you, did, did you take this agreement on and create a story that wasn't there? No, uh, no, think, I think, think I was... you would just not note, notice this before? You know, I was so... Uh, uh, you know, it's new having a career, so I was like, I was just looking for something uh-huh. to shake things up. Okay, and okay. Uh, and it really did. And some you, companionship. Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, I hadn't actually dated a girl in like three years before that. Uh-huh. Long time. So uh, we dated, and then you know we just uh, I tried to break it off nicely. And then things got a little crazy, so I was just like, "All right, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna block. I'm just gonna block you because uh-huh. I don't, I don't, you know, this is just a little bit nuts." But uh, you know, I, I, I think in summation, 
now that we've just sat down and gone over the whole story of my life, I think one of the biggest things that I might have just realized as we we're talking is the is how important masculinity has been to me. How so? Uh I I've always strived for it. I've always like I've always wanted to be somebody in control of themselves. And I, that maybe that's not masculine because plenty of it, it I just wanted to it's be self It's probably a human trait. Yeah, it, I, I wanted just, control. But maybe there's some some different social constructs when it comes yeah. to men about being in control that is propagated yeah. in different ways than it is for for um yeah. f- f- women. I don't I don't not saying that's true or not, but mm-hmm. they're I mean, we know, I think we know that because of, like, emotion, emotional responses. Mm-hmm. You know, there's certain constructs that say, you know, like, grief or sadness is a sign of weakness. Don't, you know, don't ever see anyone you cry because that's a sign of weakness. Oh, yeah, know. that's the bullshit masculinity. Yeah. That's the bullshit yeah. masculinity. But you're talking about something different. Maybe. Yeah, I'm talking about, I, I'm wrong. I was wrong. I'm talking about control. Okay. And that's, and, but I, I knew that I'd had issues with control before and trying to be in control. Uh-huh. And uh, and that's been a constant struggle. But I think that I, I just realized as we're talking that that's where it came from. It, I think is from that it was taken from me for a long time. Uh-huh. So that's probably like my whole life. I've tried to force things. I've tried to be in control of things. Uh-huh. I've tried to make... You know, and that's put me at odds with everyone up until not too long ago where I can I can drop my ego and give it up and just be like, all right, cool. You know, but, you know, it's still hard. (laughs) It's still tough. You mean giving up control? Yeah. To to be able to be able to say like all right I don't know best I maybe I don't know because I'm working with guys that are very experienced I work in HVAC so heating ventilation air conditioning right so, so there's some ego yeah this. and I went to school for it and I've only got like nine months of experience in the field uh-huh. now but I'm working with guys who've been doing it twenty twenty thirty years uh-huh. so that. In 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 a sense, there are there. I know a lot of it. I've learned extremely quickly. I picked it up extremely quickly, and I pat myself up on the back for that because I've been driven about it. However, that still doesn't compare to twenty thirty years. No, of course not. Yeah, but you have but you have your experiences too, and it's 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 not. I mean, your your life experiences. Um, and how you got here and your story all contribute to that. I mean, you're right. HVAC experience is one thing because it's a particular field that you know, you've chosen to go into. Your your dad owns you know a business and you know and, and those kinds of things, and so it allows you to to step into something which is really beautiful. But life experience. I mean, when you when you think back on your story, I mean, whether it it be. You know, ending up in a you know a wilderness program out in the middle of you know Montana somewhere for a few months, and then going to boarding school, and eventually, then you know getting back you know to somewhat would seem like a consistent, somewhat consistent home life, right? Mm-hmm. And th- there's all kinds of experiences that come through that too, and then eventually your your rehab stints that are associated with this, and 
getting through, uh, honestly, getting through drug addiction. Drug addiction is a big deal. And that that type of experience has to be brought into account here. I'm not saying it makes you better than somebody else, but it does bring you know certain qualities to your life and an ability to be more accepting in some ways, I think. I was just talking with the former owner of the company that my dad bought the company from, Roger Strand. I was talking to him last night about how I have been molded by experiences that have made me who I am today, so I'm grateful for those bad experiences. <laughs> um, it, it, it's a funny thing to look back at something horrible with fondness. You know, I, I'm like, that's when I started to get it. That's when I, I felt so awful then. Uh-huh. That's awesome that I felt awful then instead of 20, 30 years late, uh-huh. where I've I've been living with this this cancerous trait that's been breaking shit, you know? And, and so I, I, I'm grateful when I have realization, I, I have realization. Some people learn things progressively. I will, I will have a realization, you know, I, I, I I'm prone to those where I'll look at something. And I'm like, about an aha moment. Like yeah. Insight I, awareness. I have those yeah. all the time where I'm like, ah, that's what's been holding me back on uh-huh. this. You know, I need to be hit with something. Maybe that's because I'm uh, I'm I'm a guy. I need to be hit in the head with something. So the the scene coming to me is the uh the um the uh the John Kerry scene where he gets hit by the board uh you know on the side of the head. I, I can't remember what I was thinking of yeah. Pesci and Casino. When he gets hit with a bat <laughs> in the cornfield, there you go. I need that. <laughs> yeah, it, where I'm like, all right, not doing that again. You know, that's what I need. But it's it. Maybe I'll get over that someday. Maybe I'll be more sensitive to certain things later. I might have an aha moment about I'm too slow on certain things, and I should be more sensitive sure. to other things around me and finding out solutions but you know oh my gosh i said john candy i meant chris farley yeah yeah i was so far off. that's why i was lost yeah right chris farley gets hit who's this fake roger ebert trying to quote stuff right now (laughs) (laughs) which chris farley one (laughs) chris farley with the tommy boy or yeah tommy boy oh yeah yeah, yeah. he gets hit with the two by four oh yeah okay now i remember yeah is there something? My face hurts right yeah. here. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes in a movie is, I think it's Rush Hour True 2, when Chris Tucker gets hit with some guy uh, punches him in the face really quick, and he goes, who just kicked me? <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. But uh, I, I'm not too hard about the, um, myself on those things when I fuck up. Or I'll be really hard on myself uh-huh. for like a day, and I'll pass. Yeah. You know, it passes quick, but so I'm not. You're learning to trans, trans, yeah. transform shame quickly. Yeah, right I'm not. Yeah. I'm not too bad about beating myself up, or I'm not in danger when I feel bad. Uh-huh. You know, Things I just put on. Yeah, yeah. Celine Dion. <laughs> oh, beautiful! And some aromatic uh, candles. <laughs> yeah. Get a, a bath, candles in a bathtub too. I mean, what, yep. what, what, yeah. jumper cables. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. You want to move on? I got a, I got, yeah. I got a list of things we can go. We're going to go yeah. over. Okay. All right. So one of the ones that I, I enjoy um, that I, I, I and everyone sort of has sort of a different take on this sometimes is this idea of free choice. You know, um, from a behaviorist model, a lot of people think you know it, you know just you, people can be are, are pretty much predictable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a, there there's good thinking, or I mean, there, there's some I guess concepts around you know behaviorism that that that, that bear some some truth, and we can see it cer- certainly with different personality types. Um, but you know, what are your thoughts? Do you do you have a, a sense of uh, that humans truly have a sense of free will, or are we is our, is, are we more predictable? And is our I don't our think destiny? people are predictable. Okay. I think people are chaotic, and I think you cannot know what's going on in somebody's head at any given time. Okay. Never. You know, that's why people are always surprised by, well, sometimes you're not surprised by a suicide or anything like that. But how many stories have you heard, like a true crime thing, where everybody's going, I don't know what was going on. It was such a... You know, it, this is completely out of character. You don't know somebody's character. They could uh-huh. be putting on airs all sure. the time. And that's what's fascinating about people. That's what makes them worth talking to is because they are, there. There is no, there is no explaining a person unless they explain it to you. You don't know. Uh-huh. That's a, that's a fascinating thing to me. That's a, that is an unsolvable Rubik's Cube. People can't be solved. It's not like Sherlock Holmes where they're, they're like, you know, oh, you got a you gotta fucking, you know, a, a, par, a part of your knuckle uh, looks like it's got an imprint on you slipped off your wedding ring. Uh-huh. It's not, nobody's that good. You can't just explain somebody. Uh-huh. They, they have to explain it to you. However, you can, you know, one of the things that, it, I feel like I can get the best reflection of myself through other people's eyes, though. So I'll, I, I can I can ask people, you know, what what am I doing wrong here? What's what's the? That's why it's cool to talk to people because uh-huh. they they might have they they might have an opinion that's worth sharing. And uh, does that mean you you you're willing to be open and trust other people's insight? Yeah, that's I mean, another ego thing. Let's dr- drop that shit because yeah. it's stupid. Uh-huh. Yeah, you don't know better than everybody else. Nobody's that good. <laughs> they might, and also, you know, well, you j- know. <laughs> just because you don't like somebody doesn't mean they might not have something worth sharing. Uh-huh. You know, that's smart. You know that that there's everybody. You haven't experienced everything. Nobody has. So somebody's experienced something that they can impart onto you. <laughs> you know, being a student in life, always. Be a student in life. Yeah. How beautiful. S- strive for perfection. Striving for perfection, I think, is is the pursuit of it. Uh-huh. Or uh, being perfect is the pursuit of it. So, um, with this, with that idea, especially, um, and you know, you, you look back over your the story you were sharing today, um, when you. When you uh, think about what the the victim narrative or the victim narrative and the victim stance in your life, what kind of stands out to you as you become more aware of it? Because part of your story seems to really resonate with this idea of 
um, you know, moving outside of this place of unaccountability to one where you become accountable for your life. Mm-hmm. And it's not about what other people are doing to you or what's happening necessarily. H- how do you, v- you view the victim stance? I've been a victim my whole life, and I still am sometimes. Uh-huh. And that's something that it's like it, it's a biting thing where it's a it's all it's always kind of chomping at your heels uh-huh. it's always kind of you know it's like pulling pieces little jenga pieces away where if you keep doing that you're just gonna collapse uh-huh. but it, it it is still an and a, a part of of nature to try and impart blame on other people you well, know well yeah that, well that's the whole I think, you know, we talk about it's protecting your ego. Sure. And it kind of falls back into do, you know, do we have uh, choice and free will? I mean, a victim stance would maybe say, no, you know, I do what I do based upon what other people do. Yeah. Or, you know, other forces in my life that I don't have control over. Everybody can do literally. I was just talking to a friend about this. You can do literally anything you want in life. You can go and kill somebody. You'll have consequences. Not that you're advocating but, for that. <laughs> no, I'm not. But you could. It's you true. could. You could totally go do it. There will be consequences, but it is something that if you choose to do, true. hey man, you can go do that. Right. Yeah. Right. Like this guy that walked into this newsroom a couple of days ago. And, yeah. And and uh, killed. Exactly like that. That was a choice that he made. And he was allowed to, by the rules of life, uh-huh. um, he was able to do that. And it's terrible that he did that, but that's the thing about life that, you know, obviously a terrible example of uh, uh, of motivating you to say, like, hey, man, you can do anything. Right. But No, I agree. You yeah, can. Told, that, that, that is an extreme. But it also, you know, is a good example of the victim stance. Yes. Because this guy felt out of control because he felt there were forces that in his life that, you know, he was the victim of. Yeah. And it, that becomes powerful. Victim stance creates this huge turmoil where we, we choose to take, um, you know, action towards other people, places, and things. I mean, this is... This is it's a, powerful, it, and it's cre- it, it, and uh, the perpetuation of it has created a, a tribal stance. That's how I don't. I don't believe in uh, racism or xenophobia or any of that. I I believe in tribal. Yeah, there's a tribal attitude that humans inherently have, where you see it even at the youngest form, at the most primal form of a person in their infancy. When they're going to school, they create cliques. Uh-huh. You know that's that's the inherent tribal attitude where let's let's not only victimize somebody, but let's let's try and find somebody who's different from us, so we can separate from them and also blame them for our problems. It, which you know. also creates the scapegoatism, right? Yeah. I mean, tribalism also creates scapegoatism if it's because of the, these forces in my life. Yeah, that, we need a scapegoat to blame stuff on. Yeah. And people want that. Every person wants that. Every person wants a nemesis, it seems <laughs> like. You know, it's like it all, there are plenty of people Thanks I've good met. theater. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they want a, a nemesis where they can be like, if, my, if, it, if this person... If I, I could fuck them over, uh-huh. my life would be cool. 
Probably it probably would be for like a little bit, and then you'd be like, ah, shit, I, I got some other stuff lurking under the surface that oh I should gosh, probably I get up to. Again. Yeah, there's uh, there is uh, well, this, and that gets down to this idea of cause and effect as well, right? So yes. you know, um, if if, it, if I'm being accountable, if I'm choosing to be accountable and not be the victim, and I take responsibility for my life and my choices, then I must also take accountability for all the things that come my way on some level. Yeah, you know, and and regardless of whether I saw them coming or not, mm-hmm. I mean, I must. You know, I've chosen to be at a certain place at a certain time. What happens during that that, that time? The same kind of thing. Um, I, I almost wonder if this tribalism piece, that this tribalism mentality has been a way to tr- try to find s- some steady ground because it, it, for some people or the, the or maybe this is the disempowerment that comes if if people don't feel as if there's much safety anymore or and and they don't understand how things people know, how- want an answer it, it's it's trying to solve uh, it's trying to solve a mystery when there's too many moving parts and pieces i think life is the uh, the best it will ever be right now. You know, I believe in the fall of an empire, uh-huh. you know, but, uh, it, you know, I look at that stuff and uh, I, I see people want an answer. That's why they they flock to religion mm-hmm. and other things because they want to feel like there there is something out there. They want to make sense of things. Mm-hmm. Um and, and an enemy helps you make sense of something. Because it sure does. That's the reason you why know? the world is the way it is, is because of those yeah. forces over there. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we can just control those forces, then life will be better. Right? It's the same way that people think, uh, you know, it's it, money is the problem. If I just had enough money, you know, it, like that money doesn't buy happiness thing. Uh, I think it's true. To an extent, I think I think it's to explain it more is that I think people they stress about bills so much, reasonably so. But um, you know, yes, you can buy things that will make you happy. That's not what it's about. It's about if you once you they they think that once this struggle is overcome, there won't be other ones. No, there's life is a series of struggles that sometimes they just pile on all at once at certain points. Mm-hmm. But money isn't the only obstacle you're going to experience in life. There's going to be so much more, you yeah. know. Yeah, um, I had a, a guest on a couple of weeks ago um, that you know that big part of their life is based in service work, and um, they were telling me the story of uh, this. Um, the village they went to in Nepal, and the average income of the person there was like four hundred dollars a year. You know, if you compared it um, to you know uh, what what we 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 consider you know we make or live upon, and and she was saying that these are some of the happiest people she's ever met in her life. Mm-hmm. That she's never found or hadn't seen people that content with their life and their community and their relationships. And it, it and money was not any of the guiding forces for it. Um, materialism was not part of that. I wonder what your your thoughts are because that's kind of I'm wondering if that's kind of where you're going with this a little I bit. I think humans can adapt to anything, and I think uh, 
uh, the average American life is very convoluted because there's so many there's uh, uh, there's so many complications where uh, you know living a, a, a more again primal life like uh-huh. that is it's simpler. So then there's less factors involved that could put you in a place where you're confused or feeling the the full you know the full color spectrum of the rainbow but uh-huh. i do think that happiness is fleeting uh-huh. i think ha- uh i think happiness you 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 feel it i feel it a few times a day uh-huh. and i feel sad uh-huh. and you know i, I feel the, i feel the full gambit full I, menagerie yeah. of feelings yeah sure but full, I'm very full spectrum. Yeah, I'm very sensitive. It's a it, it it's you know it, it's I go through the full spectrum. I don't just you know like I, I look at it like those uh, you know Crayola had like those eight markers you could get, and then there's the big ones like the sixty four pack <laughs> right. that have all these different colors. I have all of those colors. I feel them all. Oh, beautiful! I color with all of them. Beautiful. It's okay. it's there's a there's a lot. Uh, that I I go through that full spectrum, but I appreciate that. You're a Crayola box of emotion. You're the big box of emotion. God damn it, that was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) It it was good, though. Okay, all right. So with this, you know, with with these realizations, um, and we were talking about money and, you know, this sort of attitude of more, um, which... I think that a lot of people finally do acknowledge that one of the one of the addictions that a lot of people in the West, especially not just the West, but a lot, a lot of human beings share is this addiction to more. Yes, you know, got to have more. When you look kind of throughout your life and and, and taking away the the substance components and those those pieces where you you found yourself abusing substances um, off and on. What do you think are the things that that when you get down to some of your the core addictive or compulsive nature. What do you think those issues are in your life that maybe you, you know, that the ones that you find yourself continuing to, to work on and address? I, uh, I think, I, I, I think is, uh, it is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, again, I've told you I'm very, uh, I, I am sensitive. That's cool. You know, I'm fine with that. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I struggle. I think my my thing. I think uh, the the whole the whole meaning of life is uh-huh. finding uh, you know a, a companion that you can share things with. Uh-huh. I feel like it's maybe being the patriarchy of a family. Okay. Um, you know, you have a matriarch and a mm-hmm. patriarch, and you and you you build with that. Um, however. You know, I'm not. I, I don't know if I want kids, but I, I do know that I want to. I want to share experiences with not just my family, but somebody else that I would grow to love, or you know, something like that. But I, I don't. You know, it's not something that stresses me out the way it did uh, recently. You know, in the past couple of years. Uh, There's been some. You mean in the past? It's been a. It has been a compulsive drive. Yeah, Yeah, that's kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. uh, You know, I, 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 
I don't stress about it anymore. I'm comfortable in knowing that it'll come, but occasionally it pops up. Yeah. You know, I can't say definitively that I do that sometimes where I'll say, I don't feel this way anymore. Uh Sometimes I feel it and I can just, I can move past it. Do you think that that, that's, that what we're talking about, this issue um, of uh, companionship and partnership and, and, um, you know, pairing up, um, whether, you know, would it be with whatever, um, do you, do you think that that's hardwired into us or do you think it's more of a, a social construct? I'm an, I, I'm an, I see that's a, that is a tough question. It's a good, it's, it's a great question. Yeah. No, cause instinct, uh, you know, uh, it, nature wants you biologically, you are inherently as a man you you're 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 hardwired to want to go and spread your seed and and then do some traveling yeah Yeah, banging and then you travel you pack your suitcase you put on your top hat and you go and do a river dance to somewhere else oh my god i love it But I, 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 I think I, I don't know how people felt a thousand, two thousand years yeah. ago. You know, they might have been bummed out to leave their chick behind. Yeah. But I think that it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's not giving a lot of hope I, for you. I wonder you, that for masculine, for, yeah. mas- for you know, male, yeah. you, you know, aspects of humanity. I've had a lot of relationships where I've been like, <sighs> "Am I tired of this person, or is am I biologically hardwired to feel like, all right, time to move on to the next one?" Mm-hmm. I don't know because guys always want. I feel like every guy I talk to, that you know, they get this amazing girl, and then they're like, "Yeah, but what if I could get one that was more amazing?" Sure. What's the the, the, the grass is greener, or yeah. what else is possible? Those yeah, you show things. me the most amazing girl in the world, and I'll show you a guy who's tired of her ass. Right. Of course. But yeah, I don't know if it's a social construct, but it is a healthier one to want to be in a relationship and want to share life with somebody. With the same person, uh-huh. it's a it's a it's a a grueling, almost incomprehensible idea, though, to grow in the same direction as somebody for the entirety of your life. It's uh-huh. a, it's almost it seems insurmountable, but I I think it would be okay. I I don't write off uh, everything. Well, I'm always talking in generalities, but I. You can be with somebody for a phase of your life and appreciate that that person was right for that phase. Right. But well, then you go through a different one. Sure. And and we're not the same people. I mean, the, 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 I, I got married 21 years ago. Yeah. And I'm not the same person. And so um, I had a guest on again a couple of weeks ago, and they talked about this. They've been married 30, I think, 35 years. And they said, you know, we have... We have fallen in love over and over again, and we've had to do that because it's as we've evolved and we've changed as human beings that we're not the same two people that came together. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I hear this in you know being a marriage and family therapist. I hear this, you know, I want the person I married, and I'm going, you know, I hear one. They're not one, the same yeah, fucking there's, person. There's no, there's no, yeah, there's no way, you know, from just a g- general evolutionary point of view. That we end up remaining the same person. And it would be bad if they were the same person. Yeah. 
Yeah, they would be stuck in a rut and probably depressed. Yes. And they would be searching for an answer. Yeah. And part of this becomes part of part of the issues and, and part of the problem. So we, when we talk about pairing up and we talk about finding someone to spend our life with, you know, I, I think that, that this notion that we're going to have to keep doing that, whether it be with the same person or whether it be with a new person each time, is there, do I accept and want to explore this relationship I'm in and find out that, you know, this person's going to become somebody else? And do I have an expectation that they're going to remain the same? I'm kind of creating a dynamic that nobody could ever live up to that expectation that I have. Because the truth of the matter is, no, that's not going to happen. No one is going to turn into be some idealistic, um, you know, relational dynamic for me. Um, I'm going to create. I'm, going to, I'm an equal participant in the creation of that relationship, which gets down to an interesting fact of. You know, when we talk, we talk about relationships, and I think I think it's the same thing with a relationship with ourselves. To me, the and you you've heard me say this before, Jake. This idea of what sobriety is is about having a um, a uh, a sober heart and a sober mind. I, I don't remember if you remember me saying this, but it's one of those things I, I say, do. which is why I came up with that term, wholehearted. You know, being wholehearted. Um, it's not my term, but it's, I use that to describe that now, this sense of creating wholehearted relationships. And if I'm willing to be honest with myself and, 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 and openly explore and be able to objectively see the person in front of me who I choose to be with, the chances are that their evolution is going to be something that I'm, as a human being I'm going to find a way to relate to. Whether I choose to be with them or not is is another issue, but I don't have to always think of it as that there's something necessarily better. Mm-hmm. That's that's a different kind of construct. So, no, that's a really that's a really honest, and I think that's a very pretty way to look at it. I think I do. I think it's a, a very pretty way of 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 being a person. Uh, in relative to another person yeah. is to appreciate their evolution and and never and never spite it you know sometimes you're just not going to be able to see eye to eye if it's if it's damaging to themselves sure. if they, it, but yeah, that's a, a, well, again a, that's an opinion yeah you know you might look at like the same way that you know if somebody goes down a spiral there's somebody in the same spot who's like Hey man, we're in it together, right? You know, so that person might get them, but if you are in a relation with some a relationship with somebody, and and they go through changes, I think maybe again, I've never been in like a serious long term relationship, <laughs> but so it's easy for me to say. But I think the right way to do it is be open and try to find some sort of way to appreciate it uh-huh. and maybe even join them in it yeah you know oh, it's, i think that's a, that's a great a great statement you know which is kind of what life is about learning how to join with people in some ways um unless of course whenever i say this i do i should always say that obviously there are some types of relationships that can be unhealthy or abusive and that never want to advise that someone you know go stay in a situation which is is unhealthy for them you know in any way when there's any type of exploitation or abuse 
As long as he apologizes after. <laughs> You're sick. Yeah. Okay, okay. Move, move, moving. Uh, thank you. Thank God I understand your yes. warped sense of humor. Um, okay, we're going to move on. Um, so, uh, a couple things now. Um, what in life? And you talked about you know finding happiness, and we got into the Crayola emotional uh, dynamic there of you know this huge palette of different kinds of emotions. On that, and 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 I use this. I, I like this term. You know, the word joy. You know, what what brings you joy in life? Where, how, how do you explore and find that? Um, well, again, like I said, I think joy is, is, is happiness is fleeting. Uh-huh. But I, I, they're like the whole Crayola thing. So some, I feel satisfied at work when I achieve something that I've been trying to do. Ah, you know, okay. right. so like, you know, I, uh, for example, you know, this week I, I, I did many things, you know, install okay. mini split systems and, you know, AC. And uh, once I start the AC up and it works, I feel satisfied. Uh-huh. Now, when I go home and it, 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 there's like a relaxed feeling of I'm engaging in something that doesn't take much effort. And I'm satisfied. I love stories. That's something that has never not been something that's a part of me. Is I fuck. I love stories. Uh-huh. I love storytelling in every form. Uh-huh. Reading a book, watching a movie, mm-hmm. playing a video game. As long as it's got a story that is engaging, and I, I and I can appreciate. I can see the tropes in certain stories. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the themes, I can mm-hmm. see revolving characters that you keep seeing, but as long as they have a different name, I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I just love stories. And I, I, I love, uh, you know, with film nowadays, I, it, it, now it's, it, as humans, we've been telling stories forever. So they're, the, the themes are always going to be the same. They're the same. They're boiled down to the same things, <laughs> but it's people's styles, the way they stylize stories. Uh-huh. That's what. That's one of the most engaging and happiest times I feel is when I'm I'm watching a story unfold, and it's a different style that I haven't seen before. And uh, that's that's when I feel like uh, when I when I escape to somewhere else, which I think everybody needs. Uh-huh. That's when I feel happiest. Sure. Uh, but. I feel the 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 most connected I ever feel is when I'm with my family. Okay, that's when I feel connected. That's when I feel like it all makes sense. Sure. Yeah, that's what I. That's when I feel like comfort. Yeah. That's when I feel true comfort is when I'm with yeah. my family because yeah. I, I I I'm grounded and I remember. Oh, this is this is life. This is this is what it's about. Is this connection? Yeah, and we'll always have this always have until that. they die. And I wonder if before me, yeah. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Now I wonder if if you're if you 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 find joy in in with your animals as well because we did talk about that in the very beginning. You know this. I do. Yeah, I have a pet Zach and a pet dog and <laughs> two cats, and uh, I I I love my animals uh, because there's no there's no judgment. You know, there's no. Uh, I I know. Here's the thing. I, it, you know, we've had these 
uh, these discussions today about uh, some would call them cynical, but I think they're just scientifically informed. Of course, mm-hmm. I've, I I don't read many peer-reviewed journals, uh-huh. but uh, I I do read a lot and I do try to be informed and I do have a, a natural sense of things that I try to get to the bottom of things because I want answers. Uh-huh. And However, I know my animals, biologically, they're like, hey, this guy feeds me, and it's comfortable here, so I'm going to be nice to him. <laughs> but I like that. <laughs> I like it when they're nice to me. Right. They come over and they're nice to me. I like that. It's comforting. Well, animals have emotions, and they have a, a Crayola big box of emotions, too. I, I'm... You know, I, that's been shown over and over again. And empirically, the new, the, I mean, excuse me, the new research shows that it's a lot more vast than we had understood up to this point. Yeah. Um, that animal emotion just goes much deeper and is is not that, not that much different than human emotion, mm-hmm. which is, you know, we've, of course, the arrogance of human beings to think that they're so special. You know? I read that dogs are self-aware. Yeah, yeah. But uh, not through visuals. So if the dog looks in the mirror, they don't think anything of it. However, they can smell themselves. Lucky, they know what their scent that, is. Yeah. They know what others' scents are. Yeah. They are, uh, you know, they they can. That that's how they read things. Right. That's how they look. Yeah. At things. Well, the the thing with the lack of, of sense of self for 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 dogs is they probably don't have a lot of body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> probably you not know a big what? problem. Not a big problem with anorexia in the dog community. <laughs> Good to know. Yeah. Good, Good to know. All right. Um, so uh, next, what about how do you? I, I think of you know. The ways that we do self-care in our lives, the ways that we take care of ourselves, and and we feel like we connect. And you talked about family a little bit here, how important that is to you. But I use the term, you know, like how do you connect to your Zen zone? How do you find that that peace within, and what kind of feeds you? And you, you talked about a few things there that may be correlated to that. But how it's, would you describe that? It's a combination of all of those things. Okay, all of those things because I I feel them a few times a week, and that's what keeps me going mm-hmm. that's what keeps me going that's what brings me back uh you know that's what always keeps me grounded that's what always keeps me in life and present is those feelings but i think the most important one is family yeah uh, you know growing up i was always looking for a father figure right. and um my mom just found one uh-huh. and you know my father mitch is um, I never thought I would have uh, another parent that I actually felt close to and loved and admired and mm-hmm. respected. Yeah. And I have one. And I never thought I would have more brothers because biologically I didn't. And I have brothers. You know, I have two brothers. I have Dylan and Jason. Uh-huh. And I more and more... I get closer to them. It's almost like a challenge. Like I slowly get closer to them. Uh They're very, you know, they're jaded because my dad's been married twice before. Uh Um, So they had, they had siblings before where they weren't close to, or they got close to, I don't really know, but they don't talk to them anymore. So they might, I think they've been jaded or apprehensive maybe a little bit, right? Yeah. To get close to you. And I, I, I feel it more and more. 
uh, like this holiday, I felt it in a whole new way oh, where nice. we were, ex- you know, my brother Dylan got sober because he had the same problems that I did with, uh-huh. with painkillers and uh-huh. opiates and we're closer than ever. We could still be closer, uh-huh. but we're going to get there and I'll eventually have, you know, six siblings because I, I have two stepsisters uh-huh. or half sisters. From, uh, from your dad. Yeah. And your bio dad. Yeah. And, you know, I have all these siblings that I, that, and that brings me comfort because I know that when my dad, Mitch, and my mom, Wendy, die, I will not be alone in the uh-huh. sense that I always will have family, always have family. that I'm very close to. Yeah. Good. You know? Okay. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's explore a little bit um, as we're getting closer here. Are you going to dim the lights? Is that kind of exploring? What? Oh, okay. What, what were you going to say? I, I said, are you going to dim the lights? Dim lights. Yes. That kind of Put on the music. Yeah. yeah. Check it, check it. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, we're going to... Uh, uh, what What are your thoughts or and feelings about, uh, you know, the universe, God, faith, you know, spirituality? What? 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 I think it's... I, 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 I love... my Like I was telling you about my friend Chad earlier before we started this, uh-huh. is he's he is a Mormon. And uh-huh. his his faith in the church and the whole church that community helped him get sober, uh-huh. and ultimately he did. However, this helped him in that a community the community it's support. a community and it gave him right purpose right and that's the biggest thing is it, I would not judge anybody uh, unless they were uh-huh. harmful in wanting to find purpose right. If they are hurting others through finding purpose in their life, then we got a problem. But okay. if you are finding purpose in a healthy way, then I am happy, and i i have I don't have a problem with that. Uh-huh. You know, I felt this podcast set up; it uh-huh. does feel like a Scientology audit. But I don't. I don't. I You're welcome. Yeah, thank you. I wouldn't judge. Uh, a Scientologist, if it made them feel purpose. <laughs> um, I have seen their documentaries. Yeah. Are you hinting you may not take them seriously? Maybe a little bit, but they're the newest religion. Come on, guys. Let's let them in. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Let's yeah. give them a it's break. It's the woo-woo. Yeah. It's the woo-woo factor. But everybody wants purpose, and who's to say what's crazier than other things? But yeah. my opinion on it is... I I I feel I would be arrogant uh-huh. to think that I know what the purpose, what the meaning of life is, uh, right. and um, and I, I think I, I religions don't resonate with me, uh-huh. but the idea that I can't explain all this does. Sure. So the mystery. Yeah, there you, is a you, mystery, and I don't know what it is. That's but why it doesn't. That's why it's a mystery, Jay. Yeah, and that's what, and that's fine with me. That's cool. <laughs> I'm okay cool with, with having mystery. a mystery. Yeah. yeah. So you don't need to define it through some idea of God or higher power or you know purpose. I mean, but I understand the purpose part, but meaning that the universe has to explain itself and unfold in some specific way. It doesn't have to answer to me. It's been going on okay. for many years before me, and it <laughs> will continue to. It doesn't long, have to answer. Long after to me. we're gone. Yeah, uh, yeah. And we we take all our dogs. It doesn't have to. T- I I don't have to explain it for me to know that I'm in it, uh-huh. and 
you know, and my life isn't guided by this looming sense of 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 I will die one day and I don't know what comes after that. I'm pretty sure I know what comes after it, uh-huh. but oh, we don't do tell if you're pretty sure because you know I'm pretty sure it's like when you go uh, like when you get knocked unconscious. It's just <laughs> like oh, now my consciousness is off. <laughs> And that's comforting to me. It's like, all right, well, you know, think of the infi- the idea of infinity. Is right. f- freaks me out. Like that's freaky. Yeah. You know, the idea of infinite. Yeah. Uh, and never ending. That's crazy. Yeah. Come on, just shut me off at one point. Right. 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 When I'm about to be shut off, I'm gonna be super bummed out about it though. But you know, that's if that's, it's, life. If that's what happens, maybe yeah. or or maybe I'm may, wrong. Maybe maybe you just be part, become part of everything else, and who knows, right? Yeah. What, what may happen? We talking about reincarnation? Uh, yes, I can. I can talk about that. Um, but the idea that you know you just take on another energy form, kind of thing. You know, it's uh, energies. People people talk about you know everything's energy, and so it's just a trans. It's a trans transformation. Or I hope you come back as a Lacroix bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or a tree. Okay, I hope you anyway. Come back as aluminum. <laughs> yeah. Aluminum can. So yeah. you're, you're maybe an android. Yeah. Maybe an android. MC Hammer's yeah. parachute pants. <laughs> a pair of, like, Jangos. Do you remember Jangos the pants? Yeah. Jankas. Well, yeah, Jankas. Well, yeah. yeah. In fact, um, yeah. I, um, Kristen's been buying them since she uh, this 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 year. Been buying some different ones. She took them. Uh, oh no! Yeah, they're 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 awesome. And then, yeah, I hear MC Hammer. You know, once in a while, yeah. uh, come on there. Okay, um, let's get to the music piece. So I did tell you when we started, I was going to ask you this question: If there's some songs that you think represent your life or would be yeah. a life celebration, for I didn't Jay. really have to think about it. Okay, you I, knew. I okay. think. Oh, I, I think the most. Uh, I love the Bee Gees, so the one that's never kind of lost any steam. I'm one of those guys that really. You know, by the way, songs. I never knew if you were when you talked about this before about the Bee Gees if you were pulling my leg or not because you are, you know, you you have a yeah. certain level of sarcasm about you that I, I do, but I never know if it's quite you know your line. But you've said it now enough to me that I'm taking this as this yeah. is real. I I I I love the Bee Gees and I love David Bowie and I love. Pink Floyd, but the Bee Gees, uh, you know, those are guys that never smoked a cig in their life, you know. But I, I enjoy. I ex- Except one of them yeah. died from a cocaine exploding heart. Just yeah. FYI. <laughs> but did he smoke? No. <laughs> right. I don't have a fucking clue. Actually. Yeah, I don't know either. <laughs> but I exhaust songs, and then I'll be like, "All right, I'll never listen to that again." I've never gotten tired of "Spirits" by the Bee Gees um, because it's kind of it, it's very flowy, and that's the way I feel I am. I feel that I I I flow well through things, you know. So there's a certain movement or or flow of this. No, I don't. I'm I'm not a stone that sinks to the bottom of the right. river anymore. Okay. I, I I I. Oh, good analogy. Yeah. Good analogy. I, Got it. I'm a very good. I think I'm a branch that flows, uh-huh. and you know, and I because I, I, I will continue to land on my feet, and I will always uh-huh. figure something out that will benefit me. I'm confident in that. I will always be better and better and better. 
But it's not about being... No, it's not about being better, but I will always be okay. You'll always be okay. And that, yeah, that's why that song means something to me. Okay. Beautiful, beautiful. And 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 that that song really resonates with that flow for you and, and the ability to become... You know, part of sort of some journey and path for you. I mean, you you, you get that. That's what comes for you. Yes. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Yeah. All right. Well, Jake, I want to thank you so much for coming today and visiting. And we've been talking about doing this for a while, so mm-hmm. I'm glad it finally finally did work. I'm out. happy too. Yeah. I'm happy too. Fulfills. Uh, yeah. Fulfills that. That, yeah. uh, that part of the purpose of things that you wanted to have happen, and me, and me too as well. So, yep. Paul um, just unzipped his pants. And yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we do a lot of things uh, because we're, we're we're a podcast. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you again, and we'll go out as we usually do with a little Joan Osborne. All have right. A, have a good week. Thanks, Dave. Thank you.